Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Tank Morris, 14 years of career and volunteer experience, a backstep firefighter at his career department, and a battalion chief with his volunteer department over at South Roan County in Tennessee. I want everyone who listens to this episode to remember one word, accountability. The fact of being responsible for what you do and able to give a satisfactory reason for it. An obligation or willingness to accept. Being true to oneself. I appreciate Tank for coming on and openly discussing his situation, and hopefully others who might be in the same predicament can find their own purpose. With that, I present Mr. Tank Morris. All right, let's go. Uh, Tank Morris, 14 years in the fire service, blessed to be able to do the best job in the world. I'm from Roan County, Tennessee. I am a firefighter in my full-time department. And I'm blessed to be a battalion chief in my volunteer department. I don't ever truly remember a time that I did not want to be a fireman from, and my family, I'll tell you, like my, my uncles love telling the story. They never, nobody remembers a time in my life where I didn't want to be a fireman. It was just always there. Um, I remember the first time my dad ever took me to the firehouse. I love telling this little story of, I feel like, and this could totally be one of those Mandela effect things. There was an era of the Andy Griffith show that wasn't in black and white, but it wasn't in full color yet either. Something kind of in between. And that's when I think of that memory of my dad taking me to the firehouse for the first time. That's kind of the way I see it. I remember all the old timers that were on the job in the station that day grew up to be able to work with some of them, work with some of their sons. And it was just super cool. And that was in the city I live in. Um, I work in a different city than where I'm from, but truly have always 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 wanted to be a fireman and then obviously being a, a young guy when 9-11 happened I was in third grade that blows a lot of people's minds <laughs> I was in third grade um I'll never forget it I was in Miss Miller's third grade class the school secretary ran in a room she was crying freaking out Miss Miller was a hardcore old school woman super nice super good teacher but no nonsense she really she literally grabbed her and was like you need to calm down and tell me what's going on. Why are you freaking out? And so she turned the TV on. And once we saw what was happening, everybody knew tank wants to be a fireman. So all we see is fire trucks and firefighters everywhere. And everybody's like looking at me like, Hey man, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I'm here with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but once she started to understand the gravity of what was really going on, she was 100% honest with us in the most appropriate way. Like there was never any question. And she was able to, teach us and tell us what was happening, why it was significant and what it could mean for our future. Now, obviously she didn't know everything, but what she did know because she was an educated woman and she was a a smart woman, but she was very open and honest with us. And so over the next few days, just watching that unfold on TV, because where I'm at uh, here in East Tennessee, we have a DOE and a DOD facility that's close to us. So everybody kind of freaked out about it, which totally justified. If you know, you know, but, um, so we weren't in school for a couple of days, everybody not necessarily locked down, but kind of, Hey, just be vigilant type deal. And so I was able to just watch stuff over the next, however many days it was before we kind of went back to our quote unquote normal routine. So 
obviously that helped even more. And then but when I turned 13, my mom started dating, who is now my stepdad. And he was, he's actually on the job. Uh, a lot of people, when they know that they're like, Oh, that's cool. You followed him. I was like, no, I've always wanted it, but that definitely helped. And mm -hmm. so he's now a captain in the city where we live, where I'm from. And I've taken in a lot of jobs with him. My absolute favorite fire story ever is the very first fire I ever went to. I was in high school. I was a junior in high school. I was a junior fireman and we had started a very new junior program in our city. And I was one of the quote unquote charter members, if you will. And so there was an apartment complex just behind our house and they dinged us out for a job. And there's an upper building and a lower building. They dinged out for a job in a lower building. My grandmother had actually lived there for years. She did not at the time. So I knew those buildings like the back of my hand. And as I come down the hill, I ran to this fire. Like that's how close it was. You hear all these old school stories about guys riding their bikes or this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. I just threw on some Nike slides. I just got home from football practice and just ran across the back alley and down the hill. And as I came around the engine to check in with the IC, I could see the lobby and they had big plate windows and double doors and completely full of smoke, but the electricity was still on. So you could see, but there was just the whole lobby was just full of smoke. And, um, the doors open and here comes two guys with the victim. And it was the assistant chief and my stepdad making the grab, got getting the guy out of the fire apartment. So my very first fire ever, I got to watch the man that I live with make a grab. And if there was any doubt before then it was totally squashed right then and there. I was like, this is where I'm meant to be and what I'm meant to do. So okay. super awesome. awesome. Super yeah. a blessing. So, so yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause I mean, not, not, not that many people can, can actually say that, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's few, but I know a good number of guys that have followed the footsteps, whether it's right. biological dad, your stepdad, but to be able to see a grab, right. And him being able to pull the, 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 the victim out. I mean, that's, yeah, that's definitely um, something that's always embedded in your head. I'm sure. Oh yeah. And 100%. one of those life-changing events, man, that, that, you know, go, Okay. This is what the job is right here. I mean, because not everybody gets to do that, man. People go no. careers, years without ever making a grab. So that's that's fantastic. It is. It was super awesome. And I've since then I've got to fight some pretty butt kicking fires with him. And yeah. when I went, when I went full time at my current department, the chief called him and my mom and him were at dinner. And she told me this a few years later. You know, he put it on speakerphone. They were talking and uh the chief was like, Hey, you know, um, I'm going to offer tank the job. What do you think? What do you say? Like everybody knows me, everybody knows how I am, but they were just that, that brass tax conversation, just man to man. And my mom told me that my stepdad told the fire chief, he said, well, you know what you're getting. He's, he is what he is. He don't change for nobody. And I firmly believe he's a good fireman and he's going to make you a good employee. And to hear that my stepdad said that about me, what else do I need in life? You know, I, I got the highest honor to be a good fireman. And that was as humbling as anything. And then we've gone on over the last however many years it's been now that I've been full-time and uh, just blessing after blessing continues to show the, the fire service has given way more than its fair share of blessings to me. And I try to pass those along to people as much as possible. All right. All said, all said. Um, 
Let's talk about your volunteer department real fast. Um, Let's do it. Uh, how many stations, personnel, call volume, things of that nature. So in Roan County, where I'm from, we have the three cities, the city that I work for, a city I grew up in, and another city. And that we have five volunteer departments that cover the outskirts of the city limits. Roan County, Tennessee is 333-ish square miles. My volunteer jurisdiction is 108 of those by itself. And we have five stations that are manned by, they're not manned, but people. We have probably about 35 active volunteers yeah. that, that cover and respond out of those five stations regularly. And I'm not just saying it because I'm there. I'm saying it because I'm proud of the men and women that I volunteer with. If we get dinged out for a job right now at, you know, 1115 on a Monday morning, somebody from my jurisdiction is going to be there and represent and make the day better for that person having that problem. Okay. And I, I never have to doubt whether we're going to get a response or not, period. Okay. And uh, these members are responding from home and POVs to the station to get the trucks, correct? Correct. And okay. some, in some variety of station to apparatus POV to scene at some point in time, just depends on where the call is at in the, in the jurisdiction and how it's going and what it is. Obviously for car wrecks and things like that, we definitely try to minimize the number of POVs on the scene because it's, it's back country. You're not going to get a whole lot of vehicles there. Um, structure fires. If you're close, if you're closer to the fire than you are to a station, then you know, make that decision accordingly, you know, do what's right, do what's going to solve the problem the fastest, or at least put some action in play fastest. But, uh, but yeah, some form of that totally. Okay. No part-time members. No. Okay. So your stations are, they're not always manned. It's, it's a truly Correct. volunteer. Correct. Okay. Um, five stations, about 35 active members. Uh, what's your call volume? Uh, probably about, five, 600 calls a year. Okay. And we only, we only do fire. Um, no, no EMS, no EMS. No, mm. we have, we have some capabilities to do so. We have members and we encourage members to go get, whether it's their EMR or their EMT or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then if EMS requests us, we'll be there. Um, but as far as like first out on medical calls, we don't, unless it's CPR, like something like that, then obviously we want them to dispatch us on the, on the front go. So, but, okay. uh, but no regular EMS. Okay. Um, how long have you been on that department for? I've been with them. April will be three, four years, I guess. Something like, uh, four years. Okay. Yeah. I went there in 20, late 2020. So three and a half years. Okay. And so you've, um, assuming climbed through the ranks all the way to be battalion chief. Yes. So the previous administration there, they were not, fire-minded folks they kind of inherited it from the administration before them mm -hmm. good people good managers uh love the job love the people they were honest enough to know hey we're not fire-minded folks but we need fire-minded folks in the fire department and they tried to get me to come from the time they they took over so to say and i told them ah, i'll come train with you guys i don't live in the jurisdiction so i don't feel right because i'll be 20, 25 minutes coming to the closest part of the jurisdiction from where I lived at the time. And so they had an incident, a major incident, not to talk bad about anybody, but there was just some very basic things that were not covered and people didn't know some very basic things. The day afterwards, the assistant chief called me. They're like, look, we get it. 
we know how you feel, but we need help. We need training help consistently. Will you come down and help us? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come. Cause I listened to that whole incident and I was like, yeah, they need, they need something. These are good people. These are not dumb people. Mm-hmm. They just, they just need good willing people to invest into them. And that's a whole other thing we'll get into later of, you know, what I believe and how we invest in ourselves. But, um, so I went and <clears throat> within like two months, I was appointed the training officer and I was like, y'all didn't say this. Uh, but then the next, uh, cycle. So like most volunteers, we have elections, mm-hmm. um, the next voting, or the next voting cycle, we, uh, they voted in new officers. I was kept in as a training officer. And then the battalion chief that was voted in ended up having an incident and getting demoted. I was appointed that position. And then a year later, the people saw fit to vote me in as their uh, battalion chief. So, and I, I've held that position now for two and a half years. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what specifically is your role as a battalion chief? So, as the battalion chief of the department, I'm still over our training. I still handle all of our training, submission to the state for our in-service and everything like that. I uh, am third in command, I guess, in the hierarchy of the state of the department. We have a chief assistant chief and then myself. Um, so obviously in their absence, the ball falls to me. And um, and then just other small administrative things that any kind of chief like that would go. And then I'm, I still 100% respond to calls, work at fires. Uh, I got all my gear, air pack tools, everything. And my, I do have a chief's buggy that I get to bring home, which is a super blessing. And, uh, I have all my tools and everything in there that I need so that when I arrive on scene, I can go to work and depending on where it's at. Um, I'm usually our first line for our mutual aid. So we have automatic aid throughout the County for a working structure fire. So I'm usually first to go do that. And I can start talking with their incident command or whoever to see what resources we need to bring from our jurisdiction, because we are kind of the farthest out jurisdiction overall. And so just that line of communication back. And so I still get to do plenty of work and they know I like to work because I'm a fireman. That's what I do. And so uh, plenty of work. And I like to look at it as like, I have the best job in the fire department for our structure because I still get to be a hard charger. I still get to go to fires. I still get to do the things. I still get to pull hose and work with the men and women that we work with. But at some points I still get a little bit of responsibility aspect. I get to make some decisions. I get to be, uh, I see at some incidents at times and a set and the other, but ultimately when something happens, I can be like, Hey, there's the chief <laughs> talk to that. Okay. guy." So, okay. so selfishly, I think I have, for our structure, I have the best position in the fire department. Okay. Um, one thing I really like that you stated was, uh, you know, you mentioned the previous administration, there were some issues and I like how you were like, they're not stupid. They're good people that just didn't know any better. Right. One thing I feel like in parts of the country, a volunteer gets a bad name is if, a, a, a tactic or something is not done a hundred percent, right. Everyone is so quick to blame, to jump on the volunteers. And I'm putting that in quotations and run amok on it. When honestly, if we are truly here for the reasons we say they are, why not? Especially if 
the people who are critiquing or criticizing that department. If you run a, some sort of training organization, training cadre, how about instead of making fun or posting it on social media to run amok to get your views or your likes or whatever, how about you reach out to that department and go, hey, I'm such and such with whatever cadre training company. We saw that you got this incident. We would like to come down and teach you guys because here's as a former volunteer, most volunteers, if you're truly volunteer, I'm talking about like the volunteer days where the men and women would leave the farms or leave the little small mom and pop jobs to come and respond to your incident. They won't know as much as a career individual that actually does this for a living. And it's the same thing. But in my opinion, if you're a career member of the fire service, your education is going to be a little higher be just because you you do this more. You're, you're trained up more. You're getting the information more. So I like how you stated it. And it all goes back to full circle where, you know, some departments out there are doing the best they can with what they got. Their operating budgets are ridiculously low. Their manpower for 2023, of course, everybody knows volunteer fire service is shrinking in membership. So instead of pointing blame or pointing fingers, how about reaching out to that organization and go, hey, we noticed you need help in X, Y, and Z. What can we do to help you? Yeah, and that's, that's one place that, or one thing that really lays heavy on me is if we have the ability to make somebody better, we owe that to them and we owe that to each other because even in the cities, you could still be responding with these volunteers. I can tell you dozens of incidents over my 14 year career that we've had every single fire department in this County paid and volunteer on an incident. And if you think less than of these people and you think, you know, better then put your money where your mouth is and help them get to where they need to be. And sometimes you may find out that just because you get a paycheck every two weeks, don't make you better than them mm -hmm. because, um, I can promise you right now, there's two volunteer agencies in this county. I'd put them up against anybody, any city in this county of guys that are full-time there, 24, 48 all the time. I'd put them, their tactics, their people, and their abilities up against them any day of the week. And I don't say that to be arrogant. I don't say that to be cocky. I say that because I know the work that they put in. I know the standard that their chiefs hold for their department and their people have bought into that. Now, like you said, they're doing the best they can with what they got. They may not look exactly like somebody else or some other thing, and they may not be a hundred percent quote unquote, right all the time, but doing what you can with what you got as safely, but as effectively and efficiently as possible for the people that we said we'd be there for. That's the thing, you know, in in our class last week, uh, chief, I did command and control the afternoon of it at CFT and he made a comment and said, if you can't command a scene or command your agency with aggressive, educated, able-bodied firemen to do the things we have to do for the public while also considering safety factors for us, but still putting them first, then maybe you don't need to be in the position. And I was like, bam nail on the head because as administration, as chief officers, that's our job. Our job is to give our firefighters as 
many and as much quality resources, education, ability, and opportunity to do what we are here to do for them. And then also think of how we can take care of them. And I believe, you know, we can argue about the whole safety thing and everybody's favorite thing to do is argue that these days it's either smooth boards versus fog nozzles or the safety debate or leather helmets. You know, it's always one of the big three, but if we're going to argue the safety debate, my, my side of that is a safe fireman is a well-educated, well-prepared, able-bodied firefighter with the right resources to do the job. That's how you keep your people as safe as possible is make sure they're ready when duty calls. And then if, and when you have to step in as a chief officer or a company officer that's in charge for whatever time or be reason, then you have to do what you have to do, but it calls for everybody to be prepared and to be ready. And like I said, if, if you think you know better and you're in a position to give that to somebody, you owe that to them because we're either ready or we're not. And if one link of the team is not ready, then the team's not ready. And we owe it to each other, whether you're career or volunteer. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. And chief, uh, chief Ike, man, I know, I know he's probably got some people that I'm going to just say, he's probably got some enemies out there, but if you, if you really listen to what chief Ike says, how he says it, the the demeanor and the passion that he's got in his voice, you know, all he's trying to do is make the service better. And it's going to rub people the wrong way that Mm -hmm. don't really see or agree with what he's trying to spread. But I mean, it's, 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 it's no different than any other industry. He wants us as firemen to do, especially firemen and chiefs. He wants all of us to work together to accomplish the same goal of the mission, which is people. And like you stated, safety, we, you could be as safe as you can in this job. And all mm-hmm. it takes is a freak of nature, some sort of freak accident, whatever may be, something happens, you get hurt. It is what it is. It's the nature of the job. That's just like trying to say you want NFL and NBA players to be safe and they can be as safe as can be, but they can do one move and do something to their knee, tear an ACL, MC. I mean, hell, right. look at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that was a perfect example. The Jets were ready to go this year. Bam, something happens. Right. Does it mean does it mean the NFL's not safe? No, shit happens. Right. But um yeah, I, I just I, I just I agree with you hundred percent. No matter what they, whoever they is for you and your mm-hmm. your your window, no matter what they do to this job, it's still a blue collar, down and dirty, working job. And it's not always pretty. It's not always perfectly able to be able to be planned. Sometimes it's down and dirty, nitty gritty, bloody, sweaty, muddy, whatever. And we got to have men and women that are prepared to get that way because we can't control everything. But what we can control is our attitude, our mindset, and our abilities going into each and every incident. And if we don't do that, then like the other quote I mentioned, you got to go. Like, that's just unapologetically how I feel. Okay. Hey, no, that's 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 perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Um, your volley, your volley department. Are you guys seeing a recruitment or retention problem? Or are you having any of that? Or and if not, what are you doing to keep your department thriving with with not having to worry about? Hey, you know our roster, man. We're we're we're, we're below twenty or whatever the case may be. So honestly, we're very blessed, and I don't know what's doing it. Uh. I don't know that anybody can really take the credit for it, any one person, any one thing, but 
over the last year, we've we've gained about eight new young, able-bodied members that are gung-ho ready to go. They're like, I've always wanted to try, and something just told me it's time to try, and they're coming in at a great time because it's easier. I don't want to say easier because it makes it sound less quality, but it, it is easier to get people their training to get them certified to be able to do the job. And, you know, there's so many resources out there that can mm-hmm. help get them up to a good standard fairly quickly, as long as you got the right individual, it comes down to them and the effort they put in their abilities. You know, some things you can control with people, some things you can't control. And some people got it. Some people don't got it. You know, we won't get into that debate, but in the volunteer world, there's a job for almost anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're very blessed. We have a really good balance of the old timer guys that drive the trucks. They're really quality at pumping the trucks and getting there. And then we have a good balance of younger people that are able to put turnout gear and air packs on, pull hose and do the job and we're just very blessed we're 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 a weird anomaly i feel like us and then the one other that i mentioned we're just a really odd anomaly i feel like because i'm not gonna say we're not struggling with recruitment and retention but at the end of the day we're just not um we got people coming we got people staying and we're just very blessed and we're just working hard and diligently to get them good quality effective training and investing into them so that they want to stay, you know, whether that's, you know, we always joke about it, you know, getting them a t-shirt once they get to a certain point, Hey, you know, here's this, you know, get them on the, the paging app so they can know when we get calls, get them into training, start getting them certified, sending them places, you know, and paying for that training if we can, um, or maybe reimbursing something like that, but just different factors, different things to just invest into them to say, Hey, you showed interest and we want to invest into you to show you that you're worth it and show you that, yeah, we're not getting paid, but it's still equally the best job in the world. And we want to share that love and that passion with you to give you a chance to love it too. And we're, I would, I'll say our, our chief administration, you know, pull me out of the picture, the chief, the assistant chief, our executive chief and our captains and like our executive board will say they're really good about doing that for people and taking care of folks. And I'm just, I'm very blessed to be a part of the organization all the way around, whether I'm a chief or not, it's just quality. I just came into a position, right? So the train was moving before I got in my position. Thankfully, I don't think I've slowed it down any, but it's still just rocking and I'm just blessed to be a part of it. Okay. How did you discover or discover these conferences? Because you take it take it pretty seriously. I've mm-hmm. seen you. Um, sometimes I see you when I'm scrolling. I can see you in like where you're at now. And mm-hmm. like there's three other different dudes. It's like split oh, yeah. up so you're, screens. You're, so you're talking about the Getting Salty podcast. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I've seen, you know, whenever uh, they, they post something, like sometimes I'll see your name on there and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Tank. All right. Cool. So how did, like, yeah, that's my question. How did you discover these conferences and why did you decide to start attending all of these? So <clears throat> from, uh, so we'll start with getting salty because I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I wouldn't, I probably still wouldn't even be on a job if it wasn't for getting salty and CFT bottom line, just straight up the investment and the favor that Kevin and Lou and then chief Ike have showed me is just 
it, it's humbling is not a strong enough word to really explain and show how thankful I am for what those guys have done for me. So getting salty, you know, after 9-11, once YouTube became a thing, I was watching, you know, old school FDNY documentaries online and stuff. And I learned who Paul Hashagan was. Well, once Facebook became a thing, I ended up finding him on Facebook and following his page. And one day in early 2020, he shared that he was going to be on this podcast. And I was like, oh, that sounds really neat. I'm going to go watch that podcast. And I watched it. And I was like, man, these guys are nuts. These are retired FDNY guys. They got Paul Hashagan. They're super cool. He's cool. This is a really awesome thing. And there was a live chat going along with it on YouTube. I had no idea how YouTube worked at the time. And so I got in that chat and I was talking to people and you know, they announced when their next show was going to be, and it was going to be the next week. And I was like, wow, these guys are getting it. So I just came back next week and watched the next show and the next show and the next show. And, you know, it wasn't long before they started noticing us in the chat because they kept up with that. And, you know, it was, you know, every other couple of weeks, they saying my name on the chat for, or on the show from the chat or whatever, and just consistency and being there and building relationships with the brothers and the sisters in the chat. And, uh, then in 2021, they gave the invitation for us, for any of us in the chat to come up, to come to squad 288 with them because Kevin and Lou are, uh, charter members and retired out of 288 when they ended their careers, um, to come up to the firehouse for their 9-11 ceremony. So I looked at my girlfriend, I was like, we got to go to this. But also, she didn't know this. I I talked to Kev and Pete, who was the original producer, and we made a plan for that week. Uh, I was going to propose in New York City to my now wife. And so we had all that planned out. Kev opened his home up to us. We stayed with him. The first time I ever met Kevin was when we showed up to his house to stay with him. And then, you know, we've kind of been inseparable ever since. And then earlier this year, uh, Pete stepped away. And a couple of us, you know, myself, Gonzo and MC, we stepped in to be the producers of the show. And, you know, we've not looked back and just the favor those guys have shown, the love those guys have shown and just the things they've done for me. So, so that buy-in, that's how that went. CFT came about, I got a buddy of mine from here. He, uh, he stopped by the firehouse one day and I'll tell you, he's one of the He's one of the best firemen I know. He's young. He's younger than I am. I'm 30, and he's younger than I am. And I can tell you probably three of the hardest charging firemen I know are guys that are three to five years younger than me. They're smart. They're aggressive. They're tactful. And they do not care to go where it takes to get to take care of people. And uh, so my buddy Travis, he was like, hey, man, I went to this fire conference over here, and I heard this guy who was Chief Ike speak. And he was like, man, the way he was talking, he's you like the things you do, the way you feel about the job. I just got this vibe alpha him that I get when I'm around you. And I was like, oh, that's neat. I'll look into him. So I did. And uh, I was like, man, this guy's he's in it. This guy loves the job and he loves the people that do the job and he cares about people that does the job. So I started following CFT and uh, I bought my first conference pass to go to fire school in February of 2020. So I guess technically I got CFT before I got getting salty, but they all kind of came in together. Uh, just God's favor is really all that was. So I went to my first fire conference in 2020 and, uh, I was coming in, I'd been watching chief Ike for a while and, you know, branching out and seeing other people. And I was realizing 
man, I've been on a job a while. There's a lot of things I don't know. Like there's a lot of important necessary skills that I've never done that I don't know. So I'm excited to go to this fire school conference because that's what it's about. They're going to have that hands-on day. We're going to do these things and I'm going to get to do things I've never done before. So I get down there, quick fun story. I go to do my first uh, forcible entry door prop. I'm 10 years on a job at this point, right? Between uh, junior fireman to full time. And uh, I look at one of the instructors and he hands me the flathead. He's like, all right, thank your team does this. And I'm like, I've never done this. <laughs> He's like, what? He's like, you've never done this? I was like, no. He's like, how long have you been on a job? I said, 10 years. He's like, you've been a fireman for 10 years. You've never forced a door prop. I was like, no. He's like, okay, my bad. Let me, let me step back. And then I'm going to teach you. And we're going to run through it all day long if it takes it for you to get it. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that CFT does so well is they don't judge. Like it took that guy back a little bit. Cause I'm a big dude, you know, and when it comes to forcible entry, when you look at me, you probably just assume, you know, I got the mustache. I got everything. You probably just assume I know how to force a door. It's just one of those things that I thought people may just assume at that time. I did not. Now I'm pretty proficient at it because I got good reps in and I continue to get good reps in. But um, one thing they do well, is they put the student first. They don't judge where you're from. They don't care where you're from. They care about the effort that you put in that day and they're going to teach you to do it and they want you to succeed at it. And so after that, I just kept sharing CFT stuff, uh, following Chief Ike and his doc talks and everything, keeping up with where he was going. And I actually got to meet him at Firehouse in 2019. He did a he did a lecture there and that was the first time I met him. And he didn't know who I was at that point, but I made sure to stay after class, help him pack some of his stuff up and intentionally shake his hand, meet him face to face, introduce myself. And, you know, from that point forward, I think he started to, to notice me a lot. And uh, then I won some free conference passes to CFT conferences when they did some drawings and such through the throughout 2020. And uh, long story long, I've been ever since I've been at least once or twice a year ever since seen favor in there, met the whole cadre. You know, I can call Todd Edwards right now. I can call Rob Fisher right now or shoot him a message on Facebook. And these guys are going to answer back. That's how I met chief lead from the FDNY. It was really funny. I had to go to CFT to meet chief lead. I couldn't meet him through the getting salty guys and they came up together. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, you know, just the connections and the networking and the fellowship. And I tell people, I'm just a knucklehead kid from East Tennessee that has been so blessed to be able to come in contact with some of the biggest names in the American fire service in our day. And I get to call them friend. I have their numbers in my phone. I get to chit chat with them. Like I talked to chief Lee last night for a little bit, you know, cause we're going to New York next week. Just talk about meeting up with him. And to me to think back to that third grade kid watching nine 11 happen and watching all those FDNY documentaries on YouTube coming up, who do I think I am that I get to have these relationships with all these people from all across the country. And then some people from other countries. And sometimes I get really emotional thinking about it. Cause man, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve none of this, but I sure am thankful that I get to have it. And it's a super awesome blessing. And so that's kind of how those two entities came to be some of the most important people in my life. And, uh, I'm just blessed. And through chief Ike's how the tank challenge started, as you can see that the, the sticker on what's well, not a sticker, but the poster on the wall and all that, and what that's done for so many people, 
and I'm just the name attached to it, but that's, that's way more than just, I am. So that's been a huge blessing as well, man. I just, to think back and to reflect mm-hmm. on what I get to be a part of, I mean, I don't need proof. This is the best job in the world. I get it every single day. And no matter where you work, trust me, I get it for guys and girls that work in places that they feel bottled down or they feel neglected or they feel like they're not getting out of it, what they can get out of it. I get it. I work there. It's fine. Not to talk bad about the people that I work with, but I work in an organization that just doesn't get it fully. And slowly, slowly people are seeing it and buying's happening. And I'll tell you a small story how I know that later, but that's why it's so key to get it out and get involved in networking, going to conferences, listening to podcasts, watching podcasts, like getting salty or the scrap or, you know, listening to your podcast here. There's so many resources, especially for young firefighters that are hungry to get out and get involved and to learn. And I'll say, this is something I'm guilty of. I was getting out and learning so much and I was coming back. Hey, we need to do this. We need to do this. We're doing this wrong. We're doing that wrong. And just slandering folks. And a, a humble pie that I've had to eat is just because you say the right thing. If you say it wrong, it's still the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Delivery is 100% of how you say what you say. And so I've had, and I'm suffering the consequences of it now of being the wrong way that I was. And I'm fighting a battle to get back in right and set a good example. Uh, so go learn every single thing that you can but then learn how to appropriately critique it and tweak it down and make it work for you and your people with what you have. Because, you know, like you mentioned earlier, budgets are going down, staffing's going down, all these different things. And, you know, I've said this before, anytime you want to do something productive, the biggest thing is budget and politics, budget and politics. It's always, that's the biggest two answers we got. Listen, it don't cost any budget or politics to get your company out in the bay and train, do some two-minute drills, put your turnout gear on. Like I know guys that we've had a fire and they hadn't put their turnout gear on in two years. Like that was a literal statement said on a fire ground last year. An individual looked at somebody and said, I'm surprised this stuff still fits. I've not had it on in two years. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do-? that may be true, but how do you say that out loud? Like, don't just don't say the stuff like that out loud. Um, but those type of things cost nothing, bringing the crew together and just sweating a little bit that costs no money. Right. And you don't got to get super crazy, but do something because if you've done nothing for two years, it ain't gonna take much to challenge yourself. So just do that, but learn appropriate ways to communicate that back to people and how to share what you learn to people. Don't be like me, (laughs) keep loving your heart, keep your focus, right and be respectful of others just because you have an opinion and it may be a good opinion. You still have to effectively communicate that opinion, right. And so forth and so on. So, so yeah, that's kind of a huge jumbled up mess story of how all that came about. No, you're fine. I like it. Um, because I would say most of us have all been there at some point in our lives. And if you haven't, if you haven't, and you really haven't, you know, stop lying to yourself because I was the same way. You know, you get to a certain point where you're new, but you need to work on your delivery approach because if you go in there guns blazing, no one's going to want to hear you. Everybody's going to shut your shit right. down. It's going to go in one ear and out the other. They're not going to, they're not going to be able to digest the information that you're saying. So it's all 
tactics and how you approach the situation because we all know anybody that goes to conferences any fireman out there that goes to conferences when you get back to your department you just want to hey we need to do this this that and the other and it's not how it works it's a slow digesting process mm -hmm. you need to make sure it works for your department but i get it you're gung-ho i'm gung-ho too but now i know it's just how it's going to work i can mention it if they want to Gets asked some more information, want me to elaborate PowerPoint presentation, whatever. Sure. But if not, okay, it's, it's, it's for me. I'll share right. the knowledge to anybody who wants to hear it, but most of the time they're not. And if, and if they don't, it's okay. Right. Okay. It's, 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 it's for you to know. So not, not for you to worry about others. Um, but I did kind of want to segue into, you uh, stating your personal excellence, personal growth. I know you said you wanted to talk about that. So, yes. So that's been a huge thing. So since last year, September 2nd was the first de technical day of what people now know as the tank challenge. My wife finished her master's degree last summer. We, all, we got married in 2022 and before the wedding, I'd lost like 30 pounds and then we went on our honeymoon and I gained 10 of it back and through the summertime, I was kind of halfway working out, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I just didn't feel good. I knew I wasn't able. I was the guy not putting his turnout gear on, not doing anything. She finished her master's. We went out to dinner to celebrate Japanese steakhouse, ice cream, all the goodies, celebration stuff. And just sitting there, I'm like, I feel like death. If we got home tonight and the volley's got a job, I don't think I'd be able to operate tonight because I, because I made the conscious decision to eat too much, to indulge and to do this and make bad decisions. I made that decision. Nobody made that for me. Nobody did that to me. I did that myself. So I looked at it and I was like, you know, tomorrow I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to the track. I'm going to put my gear on. I'm going to walk a mile. I'm going to do a hard thing because I know I can do it. And I know it's going to suck, but I know I can do it. So it's hot. It's, it's September 2nd. It's still hot. I did that mile. I was like, hey, that, that felt pretty good. I'm going to do another mile. So I did a second mile. I was like, ah, hey, that felt pretty good, but I'm not, I don't want to be stupid. I'm going to, I'm going to stop at two. Excuse me. I'm going to stop at two because I don't want to totally gas myself out. And I'm, I'm like 330 pounds at this point. Uh, I don't want to totally kill myself because I may have to go to work. You never know. But what I did do is I made a video. And mm -hmm. I posted that video on Facebook, you know, getting out here, doing a hard thing, challenging yourself. And that's, that's, that's been kind of my thing forever is, you know, just hoping that somebody would get something out of it because I truly believe that everybody's got a story and everybody's got a story that somebody can benefit from, you know, we're mm -hmm. all different, but we all got something to give. And, uh, so once again, here comes chief Ike sees that video shares that video and dubs me dubs the tank challenge. He said, you know, two miles a day, every single day for 30 days in your full gear with your air pack on. And if you do it, you get a free conference pass to H rock, which was last December. So I was like, let's go. So I did it every single day. Uh, and so many days in, he was like, look, if you do it for 60 days, you get a conference pass in the hotel room paid in full. You just got to get down here. I'm like, heck yeah, let's go, man. That that's the motivation that I needed. And uh 
So we did that. And then as that came to an end, he started the 2.0. You know, we're up to 3.0 now. Uh, he started the 2.0. It was three miles, like three times a week. And now this time you got to be on air. You walk till you run out of air. Then you finish out the three miles. He said, if you do that throughout the end of the year, you get a CFT 100 pass, come to all the conferences. And so I got that. Um, and then this year, the 3.0 came and it was three miles, three times a week. Then I had to get 10 people involved, motivating them to make their videos and this, that, and the other, which, you know, obviously that for me is easy. I'm doing that consistently, but here's a truth that I've wanted to deny. And we're, uh, we're going to get into some, some serious self-reflection here. And this is where the personal excellence comes from. This is a truth that I've wanted to deny over the last year. You cannot outwork a crappy diet. If you're not making good food choices, being wise about what you're putting into your body, you can outwork the nonsense. You just can't do it. And I've learned that the hard way. So I was doing all this working out, making all these videos, looking, sounding super cool, motivating people, which is great. I was doing great things, but I wasn't holding myself to the same standard all the way through. I was working out. You couldn't deny it. I was making videos. The proof was there, but I wasn't, once the camera was off, I wasn't holding myself to the rest of that standard, making good decisions, taking care of my body, taking care of my mind, this, that, and the other. And so and it's went on all the way through to just the last few weeks. And I really, I started listening to some different uh, uh, podcasts and different things and really opening my mind to, you know, stop. It's not necessarily that I was blaming other people, but just stop not taking responsibility for myself. My failures and my shortcomings are nobody's fault, but my own. And that's on the job and life and everything. Um, my wife started a workout program in February and as of last Friday, she's lost 50 pounds and she looks like a completely different woman. She's stronger than she's ever been physically, mentally, emotionally, her body's changed. She's fit. She's controlling what she eats. She's sticking to a plan and she's not suffering. She's not, she's not unhappy with what she's doing. She's genuinely happy. And I've watched her grow over the last since February over the almost a year while I've just continued to sit here and make excuses or do whatever. And I'm like, and then I talked to another brother, you know, over this past week in, in Florida and he told me about his successes over the last year and how much the tank challenge meant to him. And I don't say that to blow up me or my ego, because like I said, it's not about me because other people are having success with all of this. And I'm the one that's not. Right. I've, I, I've lost down to three, 310 pounds. And that's where I sit today in front of you right now. But I know that I've still not been making those decisions. I've not been holding myself personally accountable for what I've been doing. And, you know, when, since a couple of months ago, when that started, when I finally hit that point and realized that and flipped that switch, we're on a good path now. But at the end of the day, we got to hold ourselves accountable we got to have those hard conversations with ourselves. And it's not even about a hard conversation. It's just a real true conversation. You got to say, listen, bro, or listen, sis, whoever, whatever. You're not doing what you know you need to do. You know, you're not, 
people know you're not. You're not fooling anybody. And, you know, that's my biggest thing. I'm not fooling nobody, but thankfully I have a really good, strong village that's loving and supporting me anyway. But you got to be better. And you got to be better for yourself first and foremost. Your mind, your heart, your body. Because without all those, without you, you can't do your thing. You can't make your impact. I can't, without me, I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good son. I can't be a good brother. I can't be a good fireman. I can't be there for the people I said I'd be there for without me. And if I'm not holding me accountable, I can't expect nobody else to. That's not their job. My job is to hold me accountable. And so that's just the kind of message that I'm wanting to, and I'm trying to figure out how to, uh, cause my message has always been loving people and supporting people, you know, telling people you're worth it, no matter what you're worth it. You truly are. But I feel like we're coming to a day and age that just bottom line, we got to stop being so soft with ourselves and with each other. We got to hold each other truly accountable. And you can still do that in a loving manner. You don't have to be a jack wagon. You don't got to be a jerk. You don't got to be this or that. But it's time to be firm and honest with folks and especially with each other, especially on the job. Like we have to be better as individuals, as firemen, as fire companies and as fire departments. And that's how I tile that back together to make sense for what we're talking about. But like, that's my big thing. Nobody can take responsibility for me, but me. And that's where I failed. And so, you know, saying that in a, in a platform like this, there's going to be a held help and accountability in the future. And there's going to be people that say, Hey bro, what are you doing? And I want people to be confident enough to come to me to say that, you know, like, don't be afraid to hold me accountable. Don't be afraid to hold yourself accountable. Get you a village that can and will hold you accountable and that you can help hold accountable because we owe it to ourselves. And if nothing else, like if, if you don't think you're worth it enough, that's where you got to start. I mean, everybody has their why everybody has their reason. I want to get people. I want to encourage people to be in a mindset that they themselves are worth it. Like you yourself are worth putting the hard work in for you. Then you can add whatever else it is, your wife, your husband, your kids, your family, the job, the other. but it starts with you. And I think we've kind of got away from that of saying that you're worth it, whether we're talking this, that, or the other, I truly want people mentally to be able to sit and look in the mirror and say, uh, you're not where you need to be. You're not doing what you need to do but you alone are worth the effort. And then you can start tacking on other check boxes of who and why and what, but we focused, we've, we've stretched ourselves thin on focusing so many other things that we lose sight of ourselves. And I just want people to know that, that we ourselves are worth it. And uh, so that's my big thing about personal excellence is like, just hold yourself accountable, get yourself a group of people that helps hold you accountable and don't be like me. Don't be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Don't motivate people to be better and then watch them go get better lead by true example on and off camera. Um, now what you see when, what you see on camera with me, that's who I am. I mean, I'm that guy. And my wife will tell you, yeah, I'm kind of fired up 900% of the time. And sometimes she gets a little tired, you know, my family, my friends, they'll tell you that's the guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm human. I struggle. I have mental struggles. I have emotional struggles just as much as anybody. And again, I cannot stress enough. I have a fantastic village around me that loves and supports me, but I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that I pretend to be somebody else on camera because I don't, but I also can't lie 
to the camera and to the people that see my videos, because if I was truly doing everything that I need to do, if I was truly holding myself personally accountable, there would be visual changes. So that's where I'm at. Like I'm tired of essentially I'm tired of half-assing it. And that's the only way to put it. So that's where I'm at. And I just want to encourage people to do the same. And I see so many people being successful every single day, making that change for themselves, doing it for themselves. And they might not even know they're doing it, but they're doing it. And you can see the results. And uh, like my wife, man, like I said, she's 50 pounds down this year. She don't mind me telling that she wasn't huge. She wasn't big by no stretch. And she wasn't even really unhealthy, but she's seen a thing in herself to spark a change. And now, like I said, she is stronger and fitter and able-bodied more now than ever. And she's not suffering. You don't have to suffer. She enjoys what she does. She enjoys what she eats. She loves working out. She loves going to the gym. She loves being strong. And I love that I get to be married to her and see her love herself and love her journey. And I owe it to me and to her to effectively execute my journey so that she and I can do this life as long as we possibly can, as healthy as we possibly can together and as much joy as we can. Cause obviously we want to have kids one day. We want to be there for them for as long as possible and whatever life throws at us, we want to be there for that. So that's my thing about personal excellence is just down to the nitty gritty, not being so soft, still being loving and supportive, but genuinely holding ourselves and the people we say we love accountable to be the best we can be for us first and then for those other check boxes. First and foremost, that is the realest shit that I've ever heard. Okay. And I know people are like, oh my God, he just, if, if you know me, that's just, it's my form of expression of, you, you kept it a buck. You kept it a hundred right there. You kept it mm-hmm. truthful because not very many people are willing to do that. And I always take it back to social media, right? If you look at social media, if you look at anybody you follow, one thing you have in common, most of the time, the people you follow, the people you subscribe to, they're always going to show you the positives in their life. They'll never show you the negatives. It's always that way when you look at it, you're like, man, this person's got a great life. They just got a brand new car. Why don't I have a brand new car? They just closed on a nice house, but you don't see the struggles that happen behind the scenes. And I'm going to tell you right now, spoiler alert, there are a lot of struggles in people's lives. Okay. 100%. Don't let that freaking facade of social media, this person's living their best life. It's all sunshine and rainbows. Not saying that there aren't people out there that are, but a lot of individuals aren't going to show you the struggling times, the hard times in their life. And for you to come on here and state what you just stated shows a lot of maturity and growth in you, okay? Because I've said this on my podcast before. I've had guests come in and talk about it. We all need to be fit, So the question is, what's fit? Every individual is different. Everybody's body composition, your biological background, everybody's different. Um, You can't, you shouldn't compare yourself to want to be, I want to be like this person. It's cool-ish to want to do that, but you just want to be better for yourselves. So like me, I'm an open book. I can tell you, man, I do... 
uh, squats and leg work like a son of a bitch. I can't get calves and it freaking bothers the fuck out of me that I like, I literally, I'll, I'll, I'll tell my wife like, Hey, like calf implants. You think that shit would hurt? And she's like, uh, probably they're going to like cut your fucking leg open and stuff it with muscle. So like genetically and calves, it's a genetic thing. It's all, it's all brought down from your family. So if you look at my father, man, like I love my dad, but my dad has fucking chicken legs. So I have chicken legs. I mean, I can see a little bit of muscle going in there. And that's the thing. I want people to laugh because I'm being truthful with you. You have to be truthful with yourself in order to get better. So like, I understand now I can do what I can do. I, 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 you know, I try to work on my legs as as best as I can, but it's okay if I don't have calves that show, like when somebody lifts, they're like, man, that person got some calves. Like it's okay. The, the biggest part that you need to come to agreement with yourself is if you want to get better, go out there and get better. And exactly. I, I love how you stated it because so many people are it, like, it's easy for me to, when I post, I don't post it all the time because I genuinely do work out. I just don't post it on social media all the time just because like I forget and I don't remember, but when I go and show my workouts, it's not that I wake up every morning going, man, I can't wait to go do this like hit workout in my turnout gear. No, that shit sucks. It's not gr- the greatest. It, it is good for me and good for what I do, but I don't want to be out there every day doing that. But right. it's not about me. And that's 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 the mindset I put. Like, it's not about me. It's about when that neighbor calls 911 and they expect when the fire truck gets there to do their job, not somebody that's like, I'm tired. You know, I just, I just got excuses are out the window when it comes to this, to this profession. Period. Turnout gear is the great equalizer. Absolutely. It definitely is. So get in your gear. So again, that's, that's what I wanted to state was we don't have to look like, Mr. Olympia. We don't have to be all cut and shredded because I know some salty dogs out there that don't work out, but will outlast you on the fire ground with cylinders. And you're like, what the hell? Because they know how their body works. They know what they're doing. And I'm not saying you don't need to get in the gym. Do something. That's the biggest thing. Do something. You can't tell yourself, I know I'm out of shape. Or like when we get physicals done through the department every year, they, the the nurses will go through your numbers and be like, this is high. You need to work on that. Like if you know you need work, self-evaluate yourself and go out and do the work. And here's the thing. If you can't or just because you don't know, there are so many, so many. physical trainers, programs out there that will help you get into the shape that you want to be in. Like if you want to do it, go out and do it. Mm -hmm. So like for you, I have two people that came into mind, actually three individuals that came into my mind. When we wrap up here privately afterwards, I'm going to send you their info because I'm sure they will help you because that's what it is. It's all about helping each other. So man, like I said, man, I mean, hands down, round of applause for because a lot of people are not going to state what you just stated 
They're not no. because they don't want to be, they don't want to be ridiculed. They don't want to be looked at. And that's the thing with the fire service. You know, it, it shows when like you go to a training event and uh, whoever's leading goes, all right, who wants to go first? You never see like the senior guys go first. It's always kind of like, they're just looking because right. we don't want to look bad, you know, right. at whatever the event is, who cares if you don't want to look bad, here, here, here's a, here's a, here's the, uh, the answer for it. If you don't want to look bad, how about when you're at the station, you every once in a while practice on throwing ladders, stretching right. hose, putting turnout gear on, take a little initiative to do that. Exactly. If you don't want to be embarrassed, then get out and do what it takes to not be embarrassed. Put the work in. You got to have that discipline. Discipline is the key. You know, Nate Stern mentioned this when he was on your podcast, he was like, he hates the word motivation. I get it where he's coming from. I believe people need motivation, but I need, I believe that we need as the people with the voices, we have to be motivating them to turn that to discipline, to get them consistently doing what they need to do to be better. And that's one thing I try to strive on is no matter what, like you said, doing them workout, it's in gear, suck absolute balls, but is it going to make me better at 3am in February on that three-story house fire, is it going to make me better on that three-story house fire at 2 p.m. in August? Yes. Yes, it is. Like I said, turnout gear is a great equalizer, and I firmly believe, especially if you're full-time, I, I, I believe volunteers need to put the same work in too, but for a moment, let's focus on the career guys and girls. If you are a career firefighter from probie to chief in some organizations, like if you're in an organization like mine, all 13 of us, you better be in turnout gear working on a regular basis because we don't have the luxury of relying on somebody else coming in to do something for us. We get max 13 people plus two to three people from our mutual aid. So 16 people is the absolute max number we're going to put on a house fire in our city, but it ain't going to happen because guys are on vacation. Guys are out of town. Some guys just don't hear the call. Some things happen or some guy, you know, went out to anniversary dinner with his wife and had a couple and he's making the right choice to not come back in because that's just a whole different can of worms. Every single person in the organization from the top down, especially in small departments like I'm from, if you're not in turnout gear working, preparing your mind, preparing your body with your brothers and sisters or on your own, then you're doing yourself and your people and your citizens a disservice. And again, I don't have any apologies in this. You either need to start or you need to go and let somebody that will do this. Because one of the things, this is kind of a rabbit hole. One of the things that makes my blood boil, there's two things. And one's a fairly new thing. The first thing is this is the way we've always done it. Boy, you want to, you want to fire me up, man. And I, I've, I've come down on some people before and then had to apologize because at the end of the day, right's right and wrong's wrong. But a new thing is when you're sitting around the kitchen table and all the old timers are like, nobody wants to do this job anymore. Nobody wants to work. That, that statement's about 50, 50, right? You know, we live in a day and age. It's very obvious. Everywhere's hiring. Nobody can keep employees. Whatever the reason is, we're not here to debate that in the firehouse. My opinion, people aren't applying. First of all, they're not applying because we've set a precedence. Like they know if you're not getting applicants applying for your fire department, it's because they've heard about your fire department and they know what you're doing or not doing. <laughs> right. And if they are applying 
and then they're leaving, it's because you either sold them a fake product or you didn't give them what you should have given them. You didn't invest in them. I shouldn't tell this story. I'm going to. We were hiring a few months ago. We had a young guy uh, apply. An individual in my organization was leaving one day, and he was like, hey, what do you think about this this cat? I said, he's young. He's in a really good volley house. He's got a lot of experience, a lot of training already. His his senior man in his volley house is a captain in the third biggest city in the state, which is right up the road from us. So that guy's legit, the real deal, taking care of this kid, getting him. Uh, but he applied to come work for us. No problem. I was like, he's willing to give the fire service his best. I just hope the job is willing to give its best back to him. This individual leaving said, well, I guess we'll see. The door shuts behind him. I look at my entire shift is sitting there. My captain, senior man, 35 years on the job. He's a senior man. He's a senior captain. I trust him. I love him. I'm thankful to be on his shift. Uh, my partner at the time, been on the job about the same time as I have. My lieutenant, he's a 30-plus year guy between EMS and fire. I looked at him. I said, well, I don't think there's nothing to see because we're responsible for seeing it through. He's ours. He's our responsibility. What what the fire service gives this kid is what we give this kid. Like, that's our job. That's our responsibility. What is there to see? Fast forward. He gets in the department. He's running his two-week orientation, and they send him to a DOA. Nobody talks to this kid. Nobody preps this kid for what's going down. They walk in. They just see a mess. You know, not to talk bad about the individual who was deceased, but they see a mess. It's this kid's first call. All right, it happened like 11 a.m., first run. Kid comes back, says, I quit. Nobody invested into him. Now, there's a solid chance we couldn't have prevented that. But had the the captain on duty, first of all, don't maybe don't send that kid to that for his very first call. I'm all about getting a fire and get it done. But maybe, maybe not that, right? 19 years old, maybe not that. Mm-hmm. But if you do, talk to the kid. Mm-hmm. Run through things. Leave him outside. Maybe take him to the call. Let him see how we operate. Leave him outside. With the with the with the shift leader with the captain, and then if you have to utilize him, because again we're we're four people deep on a shift, if you got to utilize him, stay on him, you know, on the way back, talk to him. When you get back to the firehouse, pull him into the office and say, "Hey, man, listen, that's part of the job. It's definitely a part of the job here in small town USA, because there's only four of us. We got to participate. I hate that that was your first call." Unfortunately, that's a thing that happens, but let's talk about it. What did you see? How do you feel? Let us help you get through this. You got a career's worth of time. You're probably going to see it again, but we're going to be on you. We're going to take care of you. That's the investment back into each other that I keep talking about, but nobody did that for that kid. He went and sat in the landing. We call it the landing right in the front door. And he sat there and he festered and an hour later, he's gone. Lunchtime, day one. Again, we may not have been able to prevent that. But I know for a fact that zero effort was put in to try to prevent it. Mm-hmm. And that frustrates the life out of me. Unfortunately, it wasn't my shift because I'd have handled it a little different. I'm not the captain. I'm not the boss. But I'd have been on him. And I'm not bad-mouthing the guys that were on duty. They got a lot to learn like we all do. 
and they need investment into them, right? Like no matter what level you're at, somebody should be investing into you to make you better Mm -hmm. and to help you be able to invest into those under your umbrella of responsibility. And nobody's doing that for those guys. So they can't do it for the guys under their umbrella. So it's like, it's hard. So, and that's what sucks. And it comes all the way back to that. Right. So yeah, like I said, that was a a side note thing, but it just, that's, that's where I stand. That's where I'm at. And, and, And our job is to take care of each other. And to, like I said before, turning that motivation into discipline to get people involved and to do, you know, like get in your turnout gear and work because your citizens, your brothers and yourself are relying on you to be ready. You know, we had a May day a few months ago. I was the, I was the interior operations chief in the, in the house on fire. I was on the second floor with a crew. We were supposed to have two crews in the house, ended up only having one, I could have said, Hey, I'm going to hang out down here at the bottom of the steps till the second crew gets ready. Had I done that, things could have been different. This is not a story on me. I mean, it kind of is, but at the end of the day, what happened happened. It's on video. We can prove it. But I was like, I'm gonna go up here with these guys. Anyway, when y'all get ready, come on in, you know, they needed to add a stick to the line for whatever. So these guys are up here operating and I'm, I'm on the hallway. I'm down to the right of them. I'm looking, I'm shutting doors to rooms that are on fire. It's a good, you know, large street tour two-story house it's burning and it's a good senior fireman i fought many fires with him and then a newer guy but both quality dudes and you could see in the video i'm looking up and i got my new york cook and i poke and then you watch my head kind of jerk and you hear the thud and i was like what the heck happened i turn around and i see no firemen they were standing right there five feet away from me they are not there i'm like oh no thankfully pop pop they pop up i see them i was like oh thank god but there's a burning roof beam in between them i said that's not good mm-hmm. so i'll go over there and the guy in the room he it hit him like it hit boom it hit his whole body took him down but adrenaline got him back up got him out from under it i try to pick it up it won't come up i was like oh no this ain't good so i push it down we get him out of the room you know, he's trying to, he's trying to call the mayday, but he's not grabbing his radio mic. He's discombobulated. He just took a huge roof support beam to the back. I'm like, Hey, calm down. We're good. You're up. You're talking. He's up. He's talking. I'm here. I'm talking. We're solid. Calm down. I get on the radio interior to command. We've had a collapse. We're coming out. I'll explain when we get there. Come in. Copy that. Everybody exit the structure. So we leave and it plays itself out. Communications done right. That fireman's taken care of. Everything's kosher. He's good. He was back to work a few days later. They gave him a couple of days to kind of cool down. Good quality fireman. Fought a lot of fire with that guy. It can happen to anybody. Had he not spent his time preparing for that, he wouldn't have been able to take that. And it would have been a whole different ball game. If I didn't prepare like, like I just got done saying 10 minutes ago, I don't do enough, but if I didn't do at least what I do do, would I have been able to make a difference in that incident? That right. was a mayday incident textbook through and through the technical mayday was never called because it just wasn't, it was tried to be, but we didn't have to, we were able to, cause you know, the statistics show either self-rescue or your crew is who gets you in a mayday situation. Thankfully it was the, it was a, a mixture of both of those. Right? Mm-hmm, right. And we got out. And we reconvened with command 
and we figured out the situation. He was taken care of. He was, and everything was kosher. We're very blessed. All right. Nowhere near as bad as it could have been. Probably not even as bad as it should have been. But if, if that guy and I didn't even prepare the way we do, it would have turned out completely different. Like that's why it's so important that we prepare ourselves to be ready for ourselves for our brothers and sisters and for our citizens. And that's what it comes down to. And we're here to do a job and I'll never, ever take focus away from the citizens. When you're on shift, whether you're hanging out at the volley house or you're on duty at your full time, those citizens are your number one priority period. But if you ain't preparing yourself to be ready for that, then you ain't doing them no favors. That's why you got to put yourself first. Ultimately, like, they say the number one priority on the fire ground is the firemen keeping them safe. Mm, we can debate that at a different time, but I do believe outside of the firehouse or in the firehouse off of the fire ground. Yes, you are a priority. You better be ready to put them first. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that's where I stand. That's where it all comes back to. So, so yeah, that's just that for me. And, you know, I've always been open in my videos since I started making videos, I've, I've always tried to be transparent and never give a facade of something that's not real. I'll talk about the good days. I'll talk about the rough days. I'll talk about the highs. I talk about the lows. And so this is nothing new for me, but now it's just a, Hey, it's time to start truly holding myself accountable and being right and saying it in a platform of where there's going to be accountability to come back to me. I ain't afraid of it. And one big thing that popped in my head after you just said that is everybody always screams accountability. We want to be accountable. We want this, that, and the other. Everybody wants accountability until the subject revolves around them. Then it's, whoa, back up. Hold on. Wait a minute. No, that's not how it is. If I fuck up on something, I expect to be held accountable on it as a, as a, as a man I expect to hold whatever decision comes down, whether that's paperwork, a write-up, um, whatever the case may be. And and that's 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 one thing. It's very easy for people to go, we want accountability, this, that, and the other, until it revolves something around them. And then when they hear another individual go, well, how come you're not holding such and such accountable here? That's when everything flips and it becomes a shouting match or well, I don't think you need to worry about this and that or whatever and whatnot. But, you know, that's another debate we can have. I was going to say, that's a, for, that's a story for a whole other time. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. um, everybody listening to this, I thought just popped in their mind of a specific situation. I yep. can tell you 10 of them. Mm-hmm. And, but that's a whole different ballgame for a whole different time. But, I mean, honestly, though, if, if, if we could get more people to – I mean, it takes – it just takes a little bit of thought in it. Okay. Like I would love for any organization to strive and whatnot, but if an organization comes up with a certain new procedure or guideline, and if it affects you in a way where you're not meeting it, then objectively I sit back and think, okay, if she was on the other foot, I would want the department or whatever to go, hey, we need you to do this, that, and the other. But it's so easy to point blame. And that's where that's where I think 
Well, that's where I believe a lot of the struggles of brotherhood happens because whenever you get firemen to start turning on each other, screaming at each other, you know, calling each other names over over some something that's dumb, that's that's the whole point of wanting to be accountable. You know, right. I I go back to the, I have the sticker on my laptop. Everybody wants to be gangster until it's time to do gangster shit. Exactly right. You know, right. and it's just and and I didn't invent it. It makes sense. As an adult, as we're all adults here, you need to actually sit down and think to yourself, what am I doing to make example X, Y, and Z or myself better? You can't want to say you want to get better, but you sit your ass on the couch when you get to work or you watch the probie clean the toilets and you sit there and you go, that's right. That's what he needs to do. Just because that shit was done to you doesn't mean you need to reciprocate it down to future generations. Right. Like there are going to be shit bags in this profession. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. I'm sorry. I wish we could be like the NFL where chiefs could go, Hey, we've been watching you. Oh, we need your playbook. You're gone. They're not going to do that because we're right. struggling with recruitment and retention as it is. So we're going to get what we get. But if we, especially company officers, if you truly want to make your company better, like make sure that the individuals you have around you are, trying to be the best example for themselves. You, you, I know you get what I'm saying. And oh, yeah. I, I want, I want 100%. others to get it because like they don't usually get it when it revolves something around them. It's I'm being attacked or whatnot. And that's 100%. That's, that's yeah. not what the case is. Like if the shoe was on the other foot, you would expect the same damn thing, but you don't. Right. It, it's, it's the blame game. Every, all, all fingers start pointing or whatever. Right. And, and you know, it just, it, it, it fucks up the whole mission. Yeah, it's um, everybody else's fault, but it ain't my fault. That's right. And it, yeah, and like I said, everybody listening thought of at least two or three people in that. I know I did. And at the end of the day, like that's a totally different ballgame. But at the end of the day, and this is, you know, this is kind of the bottom line of it, no matter what. At the end of the day, you, the individual, are only able to control so many things. You're able to control the attitude in which you take into it the way you react to it and the work you're willing to put in on the back end to make up for it, to change it, to correct it, or to just make yourself better at dealing with it and whatever. And I always say rule number one is be a good human. If you're not a good human, you're not going to be successful with these other things. You'll have, there's bad guys. Like you just said, there's, there's crap heads and all in this profession and they're going to see good things happen to them. They're going to be promoted. They're going to, you know, their way to the top, mm -hmm. whatever, you mm -hmm. know, and, but then that's going to catch up and our job as the perceived good guy, hopefully is to focus again on our attitude, our reactions and our efforts to make it better, make it right, set a good example and to be a good human. And if you do that, I've, I'm living proof of it. I admit that I have failed tremendously in and in my organization and some of the hard things that I have to deal with are 100% direct repercussions for my negative actions. But I recognize that I've done that and I try to be better and I've been blessed, whether it's getting salty CFT, getting to do things like this podcast right here, whatever, making my videos and people watching my videos, seeing other people's success. I've been very blessed. And so it's like, once you realize what you're capable of doing and what you can do and you focus on it, you're going to get a bit of a freedom. 
and you're not going to worry so much about these other people, these other things, and that's going to become contagious. And then you'll catch one or you'll catch another. And here's a story that I was going to tell earlier about the influence. Cause you were talking about it and we, uh, we just recently in my full time, we got a new TV for our day room and it's a huge, nice, big TV, whatever. I don't spend enough time in there to matter, but it's there and it's good. So me and my, my, so on our shifts, we have a captain, lieutenant and two firemen, me and the other firemen were in there and we're going to watch some videos. I was going to look up, uh, one of chief Ike's videos that he posted on the, the CFT YouTube page. And we get into YouTube. There's no account signed in, but it still shows the search history from that new device. And already in the other shifts, put this TV up. This is the day one that we've had it. We haven't seen this TV yet already in the search history of this YouTube on this TV. Guess what I find County fire tactics, Pensacola, people trying to find those videos of things that I've brought into this firehouse. And I looked at my partner, Sean, and I said, huh, we've not used this TV yet. Have we? He said, no. I was like, okay, it's working. They don't want to, they don't want to talk about it because I know the guys that came before us that did it. They're on the in crowd. They're those guys that they got it right. They got the politics. They got this, but I know, and it's fine. It's perfectly fine. They'd never admit it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. But selfishly, I don't care. I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to smile to myself and say, hey, as long as they're doing that and they're able to function on the fire ground and they're a little bit better because of it, that's all that matters. We don't have to have that conversation. We don't have to have this. I don't need a recollection. I don't need nothing. But seeing it, you're going to get your chance to see stuff like that. And I know that's kind of arrogant and cocky to say, but at the end of the day, you're going to get to see that. And hopefully it makes those guys and girls a little bit better. And it, uh, and those benefits show in the, the service that we give to our public and to our citizens. And it, it all comes back. So just, you got to focus on you and rule number one, be a good human and everything will fall into place. I agree. I agree. Just, just, can learn to control what you can control uh the individuals around you that work with you make them better as you would want to be treat people with respect as you want to be treated and that's it i mean th- those are my that's my core values i don't worry about anybody else i've lost right. friends so-called yeah. friends that you know were in my corner and all of a sudden they we disagree on something something simple nothing major but they don't want to talk to you anymore you're right. you're, you're not the person and you know yeah. what Hey, wish you the best. I'm yeah. not losing any sleep over it. No. And when you screw up, own up to it. Absolutely. I found Absolutely. out that humble pie doesn't taste as bad as people say it does. And eventually you get kind of used to it because sometimes we screw up. And every time we do, we got to own up to it. You may have to apologize to somebody that doesn't deserve the apology, but it's about keeping you right and mm-hmm. keeping your witness right and your character and your integrity intact because that's what matters where they deserve it or not. It's not about them. It's about you. So when you screw up, own up to it, apologize. And then if, and when given the opportunity to show corrective action, be ready to show it. Ah, yeah, this was, um, this was really good. Like I'm going to end this one. Like my, my day feels complete. Um, good deal. I'm glad so- I could be a part of it. Spoiler alert too, um, without you knowing, 
this is episode one zero zero for nice me. So awesome I super do appreciate cool man that uh, I was able to have you. awesome It's episode I, that's a 100. it's a blessing I know a lot, a lot of people say, you know, it's like a milestone. I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. I'm just a dude who wants to talk to other men and women of the fire service who actually care, who have a story to tell, to let others know it's okay to love this job. That, yes, if you love this job a lot, you're going to get the naysayers. You're going to get the eyes on you, the target on your back. Wear the target on your back proudly. Just keep doing what you're doing. This is why I started this. I don't know how long it'll go. I guess until I can't find anybody, then I guess the show ends. But whatever the case may be, man, I've enjoyed the ride. But I just want to say thank you for coming on. You're, Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm telling you, your story, dude, like I said, not very many people are open to talk about what you did. So I appreciate the fact that you did. I'm sure any true listener out there is going to feel the same way. Um, so um, is there anything else you want to say before we end? Uh, I don't think so. I think I've said plenty enough. Just uh, my normal shout outs to, to the gang of getting salty and the CFT crew and just all my guys and girls that I work with on a regular basis and my, my boys and girls that I have met through networking. I'll say, I said it before I'll say it again. I'm just a knucklehead kid. That's blessed enough to be able to do the best job in the world. And every single day it's a blessing and I don't ever want to forget it. Damn right. I like it. I like it, man. Thank. Appreciate you, pal. Appreciate Thank you coming you, brother. on, man. I appreciate It's been a, it. Thank you for having me. it's been a great one today. I think so. All right, pal. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.